0: Well, good morning, and it's good to see all of you. I know we're getting kind of weird weather. It's kind of sprinkly and drizzly, and personally, I can't wait to to It's summer where it's a lot more warmer and and just more comfortable for my bones. Uh, Well, this morning, we're going to talk about stories. And uh, how many of you are familiar with the phrase talk story? Okay, a few of you do. Well, one of my favorite places is, is Hawaii. I love the vacation there, and I've come to, to love the people, the culture. And a little background, my grandmother, when uh, her family immigrated from China, they settled in Hawaii. And so my grandmother was born in Hawaii. So I have a certain affinity to, to the islands. And when friends gather in Hawaii, they have a phrase that they, they say they're going to talk story. And, and what does that mean? What does that phrase mean? A talk story is a Hawaiian phrase or an expression for chit-chatting or for friends when they get together to catch up on, on what's been happening. It can also be a little bit about gossip, um, but it's just a friendly way of just learning about each other. And that's what we're going to do today, is to talk story. And some of my favorite memories is, is when my family goes camping. There's the campfire, right? And actually, if you're going to come to retreat, we have a campfire there too. But campfires are a great place when you're camping because everything else is pretty dark. And the only thing that gives light is from the fire. And so everyone gathers around the warmth of the fire. And there's not much to do when you're out in the wilderness except talk story. So when you're around the campfire, people actually have conversations with each other. And you get to know them and know what, how they've experienced life together. And so I know when we bring kids there, we bring college students camping, it's an amazing experience because they have to kind of unleash themselves from their electronic devices and actually face one another and begin to dialogue and talk face-to-face over a campfire. I remember growing up on weekends, it was a common practice for entire families, extended families would gather at grandmother's house or auntie and uncle's house and we would have dinner together. And we would sit over the uh, dining room table And the elders would all share stories about how the family grew up together, how they came to this country. And all these little stories were little things that were part of our past. And that's one way generations learn about their history. So we talk story over the dining table. Well, the Christian church is based on stories. We're given the book of the Bible, Bible, which is a book written down for us And it has many stories in there, many stories of people's eyewitness accounts of how God was active in the world. And these stories are meant for us to to remember. They are also meant for us to to learn, but also be inspired. The Christian church rapidly grew from these eyewitness accounts of people who, who became Christians. And they are about the stories of Jesus Christ. And these stories came not only out of uh, the workings of the Spirit, but also the workings of faithful men and women. And these stories came out of a tremendous amount of persecution. That these stories are passed along to us through others' sufferings. So today part of the mission that God has for us is for us to tell our stories. Because only when we can tell our stories to others, the gospel of Jesus Christ can be spread throughout the world. Jesus, in Acts 1-8, commands us, he tells us, you will be my witnesses. And I want to point out in that, in that, that statement there, you will be my witnesses, the word will. It's not can. It's not should, ought, Might, it says will. That means for all of us who profess to follow Jesus Christ, we will be his witnesses. And what does it mean to be a witness? It means to tell stories, tell our story, not someone else's, our own story. And so, how do you personally feel about that? When you hear that statement, I will be a witness, and Jesus commands you, you will be my witnesses. Will you tell your story? We're beginning this week a sermon series that we've called Tell Your Story. It's very simple. If anything you, you uh, leave here with is that thought that we are to tell our stories. Throughout the series, you will hear stories. And you're going to hear stories from people in our congregation about how God has been working in their lives so that we may learn, so that we may remember, and so that we may also be inspired. Um, the first uh, three weeks or so before Easter, we were having these, these kind of pre-worship warm-up sessions with the children and the parents called Joyful Noise. And it was an amazing time. It was a lot of noise, but it was joyful. And I want to have John Koyama come up to share his story of how God was active in his life. Now, John, as he comes up, why don't we welcome him? I've known John for a, a long time. He was actually kind of came to Christian layman Church even before I did. So that's that's a long time ago. But if you look at John and when you, you actually get your first impressions, he's a well-mild-mannered, very respectful um Quiet, reserved, godly man. <laughs> but during joyful noise, he was one of the persons uh, helping us lead that time. And when you, if you actually saw him, it totally opposite of what, uh, of what he was. Uh, how I described him. So I want him to share what caused God to help him to. To uh, be a different, different man in jo- uh, joyful noise.
1: Good, good morning. Would you guys do me a favor and um, stand up? If you know the words to "Never Be Shaken," um, help me not feel quite so alone up here and sing with me. If you know, if you were here for Joyful Noise, maybe you know some of the hand motions. Help me out a little bit with that too. Um, if you don't know them, that's cool. Just, uh, just do what I do. Okay. <clears throat> Go like this. You, O oh Lord, keep my lamp burning. You have turned my darkness to light. Set my feet high on this mountain set my enemies to flight, oh I, I will praise you with all of, I forgot how that goes, (laughs) I will praise you as long as I live, oh I, I will praise you again and again, okay that's great, thank you. (laughs) Uh, did that feel a little strange? Or maybe push you push you out of your comfort zone. Now imagine that you were all children, roughly three to eleven years of age, and instead of being behind the pews, you were all up here in front in the stage area, and we were singing songs like that. Um, that was joyful noise. A little time we had these last three three weeks, just before the grown-up service. And I had the huge joy of helping lead the children with those hand motions. I am an introvert by nature. And as soon as I get done here, I'm getting off the stage as quickly as possible. But over the years, God's been challenging me about this being self-conscious, challenging me not to be so worried about what others think about me. I'm still a real self-conscious and God has a lot of work to do yet. But here at Lehman and with the children, especially during Joyful noise, it was just so fun to, to cut loose, um, to worship God with my hands and my feet and everything in between. Um, somehow... God made it safe for this introvert. Somehow, I could be free to worship God with my whole being. So I would encourage you, whatever you find challenging in your life, it might be scary, but you aren't alone. Sometimes the step of faith isn't drastic or spectacular, but if you trust God, you really won't be shaken.
0: What you heard there was a story, John's story. And it's a story that, as I said, are, are, are helpful for us to remember, to also for us to learn, and also be inspired by. And the Bible's full of them. And we're going to look, in particular this morning, at Acts 11. It is a story uh, that from Peter, the Apostle Peter. And it's also an k- example of where it's a retelling of a story. So it's a story that, that is repeated, by Peter to another group of people. So let's go to, to Acts 11 and I'm going to read verses 1 through 18 for you, starting with verse 1. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcisers criticized him and said, had also uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This has happened three times. Then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. The six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and said, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Those scriptures there is a a repeat of what happened in a chapter earlier. It's uh, in chapter 10 of Acts. Peter has this, this experience that is life changing for him and life changing for the whole community that peter belonged to coming down that sheet onto earth and then he hears this voice and it's the really disgusting for peter to hear to hear that that there's these animals that that he's supposed to kill and eat because every good jew in that culture there are certain things that were considered unclean and there are certain dietary restrictions, that they weren't allowed to eat certain kinds of animals. And in this vision, he was seeing all these different kinds of animals that were, that were traditionally for the Jewish culture and the people would be very unclean to eat. Now, some of us might kind of lose that, that perspective because, you know, many of us come from an Asian culture and, and we have probably no problems eating all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, it was kind of funny. We were actually talking about food while we were praying, preparing to pray before service with the the worship team, and we were talking about, yeah, the smell of, of bacon, right? That's a wonderful smell. It's, it's just amazing. Any room you know when you smell bacon. But bacon's from pork. And for the Jewish people, if they smelled bacon, it would be so totally disgusting to them. They wouldn't be able to do that. And, and for us, uh, I think, to help us understand that, I think one of my favorite stories that I, I love to illustrate this is when I was in Hong Kong. Uh, we were walking. My uncle was treating, treating me to different delicacies of, 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 of uh, Asia. And usually I have no problems with any kind of food. I mean, snakes, uh, bugs, whatever. But it was, there was this woman at the marketplace, and she was pl- uh, playing with these puppies because the puppies were for sale. And so my uncle said, would you like to have one? And I said, well, no, I mean, it's a real hard problem. I love dogs, but I, I can't take a puppy back to the United States if I buy one here in Hong Kong. He said, not to buy it. You're supposed to eat it. And so that was really disgusting for me. <laughs> so that's just to give you a context. If I saw dogs coming down uh, a sheet, of, sheet and God said, eat that dog, I'm going, oh, no, I can't do that. that that's my pet. But here, Peter is experiencing that kind of, of revelation to him where God is telling him that it's okay to eat those animals because God says, what I have made clean now, it is okay. And this was a metaphor. So what's happening here, Peter is being told that, that for Jewish people, the gospel, God reached out, and, and gave his special blessing to the Jewish people, but that blessing was not to be remaining just with the Jewish people. Now, the gospel was of Jesus Christ was so going to be extended to people who are non jewish and so for the Jewish people who were the first witnesses of, of the happenings with Jesus Christ are going to be able to, to to spread this this story of Jesus to the rest of the world they 're going to have to overcome this horrific, built-in, integrated-in-their-life hesitancy to interact with non-Jews because Gentiles, which was another way of calling a non-Jew, were considered unclean. And so a good, respectful Jewish person would not even want to have conversations with a non-Jew. And so for God to, to extend the gift of Jesus to the rest of the world outside of the Jewish world, the Jewish people would have to overcome this horrific kind of um, desire not to interact with others that are considered unclean to be able to be his witnesses. And so Peter is sharing this story to a group of of Jewish people that are referred to in the scripture as the circumcised believers because Jewish people were referred to that as being circumcised that he actually went by god 's calling to to a roman centurion that 's the man that 's referred to in this story, and as a result, the Holy Spirit was able to do what uh, the Holy Spirit needed to do was to to fill the people who began to believe the non jews and so here in this this story, God is is using uh, a story by a man to tell other people about his experience. And that experience that he had also changed their minds and their perspective in how the faith was to grow. So from Peter's experience of retelling his story in Acts 11, we can kind of glean some points about how stories are supposed to be told. In this particular story, we learn that it's a good thing to tell stories because it's your story simple fact it's good to tell your story because it's your story it's not someone else's story it's not someone else's experience but it's your story and all you have to do is just tell the facts and details of your own story it's not something you read not something else that you've heard from someone else but it's your own experience That's the most basic thing to do in telling a story, a story of your own life. It's a first-person experience. In verse 4, it says, Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in the trance I saw a vision. And he continues to describe what what happens to him. And that's all the story entails. Here, Acts is is a... Book of the Bible that's written by by Luke, and if you know who Luke, uh, the writer is, he he's a physician, so he's a scientist. He has a scientific mind. If you read all of the, the books that that he he has has written, they're factual. They have a lot of detail because being a scientist, he he wants the evidence to be to be weighed for its truthfulness. So here he writes in detail and facts about what happened with Peter. And and something I, I, I learned when um, writing essays, you know, going through those horrible English classes, uh, there was something that's taught that's really important as a key to, to how, do you, how do you express yourself through the written word, or even when you tell stories, or write stories. And it's three C's. It's First, you have to be concise. Second, you have to be concrete. And it also has to be compelling. Very simple. To evaluate anything that you, you talk about, anything you write, or you want to communicate. It has those three, three um, elements of being concise, meaning accurate, detailed, straight to the point, concrete meaning it's not too abstract, too wild in thought, something that's very easily understood. That's what concrete is. And then finally, it has to be compelling. I mean, whatever we share, whatever we want to have others listen to, it has to be something that, that, that kind of answers the question, why do I care? Why should I hear? And if, if you want to evaluate things you want to communicate, In in resumes, in um, uh, stories that you want to tell other people, and even in sermons, here messages, it has to be those three things. It has to be concrete, concise, and compelling. And if you can remember that, then you can design, you can formulate the stories that you share to be exactly that. And we look at the passage here in, in Acts 11, Peter's story. It is concise because... It's only maybe 10, 13 verses, and he tells a story. It's concrete, meaning he shows evidence of what actually happened to him. He doesn't have to manufacture anything. He just has to tell exactly what happened, and so that's concrete. And it is compelling because through his story, it really changes a whole community's attitude to to people who are totally different from themselves. So telling stories is a good thing because... For the simple fact, it's your story. Nobody else's, but it's your story. The second thing here, that telling stories is a good thing because the Holy Spirit can be received by others. And we see that in verse 15. As I began to speak, meaning Peter, as he begins to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. So there's this kind of mysterious quality when we go into the world, the Holy Spirit can be actually more active when we're active when the good news of jesus is shared good things happen you've heard this that our bodies is the temple are the temples of god right god is with us we are he is with in us and we are his temples first corinthians 6:19 says do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have received from God wherever we go into the world that's how the gospel is spread is through us when you become a believer you you're given the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit moves where you move where you are active, the Holy Spirit can be active first Peter 3:15 gives this instruction that we are always to be prepared to share about Jesus. We are always to be prepared to share the gospel. 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. To tell your story. To be witnesses. It is not, again, can, should, ought to, It is, we will. So when we go into the world and share our stories, in the process of sharing our stories, they're just not mere words. They're anointed and full of the Holy Spirit. Many of you have uh, shared with me that when there are opportunities, when you have an opportunity to share your stories in conversations with your family members or or co-workers, uh, neighbors, you kind of get tongue-tied. That you see the opening, you see an opportunity, but there's a lot of hesitation. Um, there's a lot of anxiety, maybe fear. And you don't know what to say. But The scripture to help you out says, Do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. So think of these, 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 these scripture verses that I've just encouraged you by, is that when you go into the world, you don't go alone. The Holy Spirit's with you. So all you have to do sometimes is just be with someone and just have some conversation with them. And if you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will speak through you. Now, sometimes the words that are going to come out of your mouth are going to be gibberish, but that's okay, because the Holy Spirit speaks in many languages. So you just have to be there, engage the other person, and the Holy Spirit will work. Now, it does help if what you're saying does make sense. So it doesn't disturb the person you're talking to. But, but the more you can be in sync with this, the Holy Spirit more of the blessings of the Holy Spirit can be transferred to the to the other people. And that's what the scripture happened here. Peter speaks, and the Holy Spirit is then allowed to fill the people he's speaking to. And, and so during the, these weeks, so as we go through the sermon series, we're going to encourage you to, to practice um, an exercise. It's something that, that I tried out with my home group, because the same fear of, of sharing their their faith in Jesus Christ to others would, would be a common experience with other people. And I told them, we've got to overcome that. And so I said, in, in 90 seconds, can you tell me your life story? And so I've learned, you know, uh, John was sharing earlier that he's an introvert. I'm, I'm actually an introvert, so it's kind of weird that, that I can stand in front of people and talk, but a lot of it is because I prepare to do that. So I've learned to know what I'm supposed to say, and it gets me overcomes my, my, my hesitancies to, to speak. But I also will stumble and I will have gibberish coming out of my mouth, but that's that's my issue. Well, one way to help you overcome your obstacles in sharing with other people is to have something prepared. So that as soon as somebody has a question or some opening you see an uh, opportunity to seize the moment to share something it's always good to have something already prepared some people call it the eleva- elevator pitch right you business people it's something where you've already prepared that you know when you see the opening you just say it and, you, and it's it'll be those three qualities it's concrete con- concise and compelling because you already prepared it and you probably tested and you test it with other people so with my home group I said that let's do that practice just give off the top of your head 90 seconds exactly what how you came to know Jesus Christ, how you were before you knew him, and how you are now after meeting Jesus. Thirty seconds on one on how you knew how you were before. Like I was a terrible person, I was a lazy person, I was a fearful person, whatever. Then I met Jesus. I met Jesus on this particular day when I was in a deep hole. And after I committed my life to Jesus, I became a less fearful person. I became a more confident person. I can go into the world knowing that God is behind me. Very simple 30 seconds on each of those sections. You got something in 90 seconds, and you just essentially told somebody about how Jesus made a difference in your life. And if you practice that, you have it already prepared. It works, it does. I've used it. And for my home group, they learned to do that. And it's amazing. in one evening, they were able to get something in 90 minutes. Now, when I said 90, 90 seconds, when I said 90 seconds, it could be two minutes. Uh, I'm not going to be um, so literal there. But it does mean being prepared. So for us to be witnesses, for us to be a community that witnesses, that are essentially able to tell our stories, to talk story with other people. Practice that. And we're going to probably do more of this in the weeks to come where you maybe even will have some interaction between you folks in the pews. But this is our goal. At the end of this series that all of you have practiced, for 90 seconds you can tell your story. And there's a benefit, personally, for you to be able to talk story. Personally, you will... Will grow personally you will be blessed you will be also freer because you can tell your story and not only is there a personal benefit but there's also a community benefit telling our stories is a good thing because the community is built up and from this story that we see from Acts 11 from Peter the community is built up because we see there was A potential divide in the church. There was conflict here. The Jewish people had some old habits of not wanting to mix with non-Jews. There was an issue between the circumcised people and the non-circumcised people. And for some of the Jewish people, it was disgusting. They were hearing that Gentiles were receiving the Holy Spirit, that they were entering into the faith community. And Jewish people were very upset that this was happening. And so when they heard this, they asked uh, they asked Peter to come to them and, and share what he had seen. Because Peter, being a Jew, went to a non-Jew, a Roman centurion's house, and shared the gospel there. And And after sharing the gospel, that centurion and his entire family, whoever was in the house, became Christians, and the Jewish people felt that was so disgusting for Peter to actually enter into a a non-Jewish home, and and if that was not the case, because God wants us to go to places that we are not comfortable with, to mix with people that, that are totally different from us, because that's the only way that God's mission can be accomplished, to be able to go places where we're not comfortable. And because that potential conflict was abated, because Peter shared the vision he got from God, that God said, now you can go to places that I have made clean, which was once considered unclean. And how did he make that clean? He made it clean through the blood of Jesus Christ that when Jesus went to the cross, and we celebrated it last week Easter, Jesus went to the cross and he died, and he rose again, and it's through his blood, things that were unclean became clean. All of us are unclean, but we are now made clean if we follow Jesus through his blood. And the only way we can then go to places to make places that are considered unclean Clean is to share the good news of Jesus. Verse 18 says, when they heard this, the community, uh, Peter's community, his Jewish community, heard this, his sharing. They had no further objections and praise God, saying, So then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. So Peter, the retelling of his story, has a benefit not only for Peter's sake, but also has a community benefit. This is summer we're going to have an opportunity to go to a place that maybe a lot of us at one time was very uncomfortable. We're going to go and have our eye screening in Richmond. And, you know, six, about six years ago, seven years ago, when we were thinking about putting on eye screening into West Oakland, and now we're going to, uh, for the third year, be in Richmond, there was a lot of hesitancy. There was a lot of resistance because a lot of us don't really go to places like that. But God calls us to go to places like that in particular to be able to share our stories. And so, this summer, to 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 successfully do what God calls us to do, we need your help. Because we need not just there to put on the ice cream, need just the simple logistics of, of, of putting on ice cream, but it's more than that. It's a time where we can fulfill God's calling to us to be his witnesses is to tell our stories. And so, like I said earlier, during the sermon series, we're going to hear a lot of stories, a lot of your stories. And so I want to also call up now uh, Johnny Horn. He's going to share his story about the eye screening. Why don't we welcome him so that you can give him a little encouragement.
2: Thank you, thank you. So I definitely wish I heard your talk earlier, so I'll keep it under 90 seconds and follow the three C's. So it might not have that, um, but let's go anyway. So uh, Pastor Calvin had asked me to share about the story of God's grace in my life. And um, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Johnny and I graduated from Cal last December with a public health major and a global poverty and practice minor. Uh, Throughout college, I wrestled a lot with what it meant to truly love the poor, both in theory and in practice. Besides a clear call from Jesus to serve the poor, I didn't know how to live out this calling in a modern-day context. In my public health classes, I'll learn about the importance of bringing health care to communities before their conditions exacerbate. In my global poverty classes, I learned about the complexities of poverty alleviation, as well as the dangers and the difficulties of doing good. In my Bible studies, I learned that Jesus commanded us to serve the poor as if we were serving him. While these topics were interesting to ponder on and to discuss with my fellow classmates and believers, I found that without praxis, it didn't mean anything. I still had fear and reservations, but I wanted to heed to Jesus' command, too, um, because he promised me joy. So I began to volunteer at a safety clinic in Oakland um, on International Boulevard, serving the underserved Asian Pacific immigrant and Latino community. It was and has been an amazing experience. I was able to finally know some of the poor by name and face, While I recognized the value of giving the uninsured medical services, I felt that something was still missing. Um, I questioned if I was really caring for them if I didn't address their spiritual and emotional needs beyond their physical needs. Fortunately, I decided to volunteer in the Richmond Eye Screening last year, and I was really impressed by how much of our church was willing to commit their time and energy to serve the Richmond community. I appreciated the strong partnership and bond that we had built with Living Hope Neighborhood Church, But most of all, I appreciated being able to serve with and alongside the people of Richmond. We were able to holistically serve the people of Richmond, providing them both eyeglasses to restore their physical vision and prayer and support to open their eyes spiritually as well. So this year, I joined the Cora Richmond Eye Screening Team because I wanted to learn how our church actually partners with LHNC to set up such a huge event. And I'll spare you the details. It required a lot of prayer and a lot of uh, planning. And it's been uh, really humbling and rewarding to be a part of the core planning team this year and to see how um, each individual has chosen to follow Jesus in serving the needs of others. So I'm still learning how to love the poor, but I firmly believe that it begins by seeing them as people rather than a theory. So I invite you all to join me this year as CLC partners once again with LHNC to love the people of Richmond. So I end this short talk with a question for you. What is the story of God's grace in your life? I hope that you identify it and share it with others.
0: So after after service they are actually going to have uh, sign ups. So if you you've, you've uh, been inspired by that that the sharing by Johnny and by also the the video maybe it's time for you to to sign up this summer again. Also you can go online. I've been told that that our at our church website you can also um, Click a a button there, and you can actually reserve a time slot as to when you can serve during the summertime. And also, if uh, we want to encourage you to invite any optometrists that you know, your family, optometrists, friends that are optometrists, to to think about serving this summer. Because it's a big need to have the actual professionals, professional optometrists to be there, and so there's a big need for that. You can contact any person that's on the planning committee for the ice uh, screening, and they'll have uh, form letters or letters that you can then template off of to to share with your your uh, friends uh, to invite them to help serve. So that's something I think you can uh, contact Andrew Wen or um, Leslie Kong, and, and they will have that template for you. So God calls us to be His witnesses. He calls us to be His witnesses in our families in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces, and, and, and not just locally, but globally, to the nations and to the ends of the, the earth. Our witness is our stories. It's stories about how God was active in, in our life and how it is active in the world. And is when we tell our stories then the Holy Spirit can work, not only on ourselves, but on other people. It's my belief that true, thriving community can only happen when we talk story. It is my belief that only true discipleship culture can, can exist if we are able to tell our story. And it is my conviction that compassionate outreach can only happen when others hear our story. So, today is about telling stories. It's about learning about other people's stories, but also our own story. And being able to tell it in a way that others can understand and experience who Jesus is. So, let's talk story. So, let's pray. Dear Lord, you give us. amazing story of Jesus Christ, who being a man, but also God, came to earth so that we could know God himself. Jesus, a perfect man, went to the cross to die for our imperfections so that we may be may be made clean through his sacrifice so that we can enjoy the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we can be part of your mission to bring the good news of Jesus to others in the world. So may you give us the boldness, the, the willingness to share our stories of how you have been active in our lives because only then, the love of Jesus Christ can be shared to others so we thank you lord for all you all, all the things you've blessed us with so in the name of Jesus we pray amen